Hello, and welcome to episode 190 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Greg Shane, writer of The Rascals on Indiegogo Now. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Greg, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast. Um, Let's do what we normally do and start off with a a brief bio about yourself and maybe an elevator pitch for for The Rascals. Uh, okay. Bio for me. Um, I am a comic creator, um, now living back in Canada, uh, after spending about 10 years abroad. Uh, this is my second series that I'm working on now. Uh, I am a writer. I'm co-creating a series called the rascals with a really great artist uh, named Kurt Spurging. And, uh, yeah, this is actually the third book. We have a, we have a book proper book two, I would say, uh, out on Indiegogo. We're fully funded. So yeah, it's, it's all good. I am a comic writer from Canada, in short. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of a very nice, simple way of putting it, but it's way more complicated than that, as you've been like one of our constant guests. And we've just, <laughs> every time we talk to you, you have like more to explore and more to give us uh, in the interviews, which is really great. Um, yeah. I try. Yeah. And uh, I, I haven't gotten Rascals 2 yet, but I, I've, I love Rascals number one. I just have to tell you that it was like one of the nicest, like most comforting reads I've had all cool, year. Cool, man. It was like, and I, I, it was one of those books that like I, you know, sometimes with comics, it's sort of hard to find one that you think other people will like, you know? Mm-hmm. But with like this one, I could show it and like immediately people were interested because it's Mm -hmm. just, it just sort of grabs you as a concept. So Mm -hmm. congratulations on creating an awesome book. Thanks. Thank you very much. So I know that like the, the story of this was, was you and Kurt sort of sitting next to each other at uh, San Diego Comic-Con and sort Mm -hmm. of like trading notes and sort of like making each other laugh Mm -hmm. and like, uh, he actually sort of didn't he send you sort of like a, a picture of one of the the rabbits and he was like it was hey, all you, four of them all four of them and he was yeah, like hey he, what do you think about this yeah he's like hey rabbits what do you think what do you think <laughs> were they musicians at that point or no not? he had them solving crimes he was like what do you think maybe they could solve crimes or something and i was like so i don't want to do that so then just switched it around nice that's awesome and you actually, and another cool thing about this is like, uh, you get some input from, from your kids, right? They sort of like give you sort of like story <laughs> yeah. ideas and stuff like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about you remember like, everything? Oh my goodness. Some of the little like interesting sort of like <laughs> story development you got from that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a good one. Thank you for asking about this because, you know, I talk about this project so much but this is a really cool story yeah we were driving to we were uh, you know this is back in japan and we were going to some uh, onsen in a place called atami which is like this like tourist slash fishing town mm-hmm. and it's it's really really cool imagine like a like this little like burning hot burn your feet off beach in the summertime like really <laughs> narrow and then huge breakers in this massive bay so these like giant man-made bakers kind of make everything out in the sea ugly because it's just these huge Lego pieces, but it's to prevent a tsunami. Oh, because, wow. Yeah, right. And then it's really interesting wow. because when you're walking, 
it's all uphill from the beach. So as you're walking uphill, you're walking through the town. And then, you know, your hotels and onsens and stuff are up there. It's all, oh, it's so nice. And then, um, yeah, <laughs> kind of forgot where I was going. Oh, yeah, so uh, the input. So we were driving, and it's a beautiful coastal drive. It was a beautiful summer day. And I was talking about the rascals because I had this kind of idea about one of the characters having, having a special ability, but he's so egotistical, he would never tell anybody about it. So I, I, I didn't exactly know what it was. And my son was like, he just farts his, farts a ghost out of his butt. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it was just, and it was like, and you know, we're like, oh no, that's okay. And, but we just all kept on laughing and going back to it. And then it, like, no matter what idea we thought up, it always ended. And Tony farted a ghost out of his butt. <laughs> That's so amazing. That, so that was it. You know, it, it, it was like, who am I writing for? <laughs> I, I remember that story from the la from when we had you on almost a year ago. It was heartwarming and just grabbed me right away. <laughs> oh, nice. That was when I was like, pledge was down on Indiegogo. That's enough <laughs> for me. Um, but how did your kids respond to the books after Loved they it. got them? Loved it. Yeah, they yeah. squirreled it away and um, it's pretty cool. So in the first book, uh, in one of the crowd scenes, there's a there's a tiger character. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And he's got a blue T-shirt on with a T on it. And Kurt specifically made that to kind of show my son Torah because Torah means tiger. Oh, cool. In Japanese. So the book came out, kids love it and stuff. And, you know, of course we get to say, Hey, Tori, look, there's, you know, with the tea, it's like, you know, for you. And he's like, yeah. And then my four-year-old is just like, what's going on, dad? Yeah. Where, where am I in this book? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, like, cause Kurt just did it. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask her to do it. So then I had to ask Kurt for the next book. You have to have a leopard with, with an H t-shirt in the crowd. So we got that in there. That's very, great. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to ask about like specifically sort of like how you and, and Kurt sort of handled the storytelling because you guys are both co-creators, but there's some like brilliant like Looney Tunes level like slapstick action in that first issue. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of when uh, uh, the, 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 the main rabbit whose name is, um, is escaping me right now um, He's hanging from the rafters. Tony. Yeah. Tony, there's like a brilliant moment of like cartoon, like him like holding on. <laughs> and then like it, it's sort of like he like when he's like, there's these great beats of him like about to fall. And it's it just like yeah. I I rarely laugh out loud when I'm reading comics, like especially comedy comics, but I laughed out loud at those visuals. So I want to know, like, with gags like that, is that you? Is that Kurt? Like, how does that work? <laughs> So that's a really, really good section of the book for you to pick this up. So, you know, I've said it a million times, we do this in a different way. I don't write full script. So I don't, I don't lay down to the artist how the story is going to go. And then the artist can change the pace and stuff, but I've, I've laid it out. That's not how we do it. I write a story. Kurt draws it, paces everything out, and he's a brilliant cartoonist. So, you know, he in his mind eyes this is what the story is then i go back and if something's not quite right i might say something but i think maybe i've said one thing 
and then I changed it anyway into like a really, really funny joke. And I'll actually tell you about that because you guys will appreciate it. It's an anthropomorphic challenge as a comic book creator. <laughs> like very few people experience those problems, right? Where it's like, well, would, that, would a dinosaur really do that though? <laughs> very few humans go through that mental, that process. So anyway, uh, what, what was I saying? Um, we were talking about, I'm um, just sort of uh, you writing the story. Kurt oh, yes. So then it. Kurt draws it. I go over with the dialogue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Kurt goes in and then he colors the whole thing. Okay. And then we do a couple proofs and it's, and it's in. But in that sequence that you just said, it's very cool, right? So I did write Tony's hanging from the thing. But bouncing it back and forth, um, I, his cuts were a little bit better than I had. Because at that, at that moment, the rest of the crew is kind of confronting this nest of gremlins. Right. So really the pacing was there for me to play with when I did the dialogue. But then there was really good jokes that I could put in. Like when Tony's hanging there and he looks at the gremlin and the gremlin's like prying his fingers yes. off and he goes, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it just gives you this opportunity as a writer to have written a story, see the super cool interpretation, and then just add gags on it. Now you put yeah. the personality in. Now you have the arguments. You know, I have three panels of them talking, you know, and just it's a very cool way of writing because then you back up and you go, well, okay, and you just replay that scene without in your mind because you've seen it, right? Right. And then you play it in your mind and sure enough, you, you can hear what they're saying. And, and then it goes in. So it, it has a very particular feel, I think, as, as a project. Yeah. It's kind of like, like how you describe it as almost like scoring the, the art almost, you know, like it's like, it, it sounds like your process and I've never really thought of it this way, but it's like kind of like how the Marvel method is, but like when you're, when you go in with like dialogue and, and everything after the art is done, you have to be really mindful of like pacing and rhythm with the artwork so that like, you know, you can mm -hmm. keep that nice back and forth going, but also not slow it down, not speed it up too much. Make sure that, you know, your dialogue fits the, of course, what the characters are going through, but also keeps the flow of the page going well so what 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 are what is your sort of approach there is that just sort of something that just comes naturally to you or are you thinking about those things while you're putting in the dialogue or writing the dialogue after you get the like black and white mm, art? yeah I, yeah i think it's it's a different process so if i was doing it from full script i would think about the beat like more about how the uh the drop would happen in a joke or a point, or if somebody's trying to give information, or if I was trying to show a little bit more character through an opinion in dialogue or something like that. But with this, it's already there. So I'm kind of watching it unfold. It's my story. So I've already had all the dialogue in my head. It's already played out. I know the end of this, but it's so interesting to kind of, run through those scenes in your mind and just stick true to the characters. Mm -hmm. So now I'm not writing anymore. I'm just being the character's reply. That's why it's a very interesting process to, to kind of like keep looking at the, th the, the sequence of panels and all of a sudden the gag is there because they're talking in your mind. 
and I'm not worried about structure. I'm not worried about spelling. I'm not worrying about format. I'm not worried about anybody reading it. It's just recording what they're saying. It's very, very cool. That is cool. It sounds like a very, um, uh, I guess, intuitive process, but it's like, it's like, uh, it's sort of interesting. Like if you ever like look into like Alan Moore's philosophy, like what you describe is what he calls like magic, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it's sort of, it's sort of hard to not feel that way. Like, especially when you're, you have the art inspiring, like, you know, it's not, it's, it's your story, right? Like you said, but it's kind of both your stories at some point too. So you guys both just sort of feed off each other. And it's like a, it's a chicken and egg scenario where it's yeah. like, yeah, that, that's just uh, like you, you describe it so beautifully and inspirationally. It's, it's great. Well, we're on our third book. I mean, this is our third funded book that we'll be shipping out. Yeah. So that's a lot of work. You know, mm -hmm. the, the artist yeah. edition was kind of an interesting experiment. Um, you know, the, this, this project looks like it's going to go into different forms. I just got the artwork for the first half of book three. Like not the artwork, but the pencils. Uh, and it's amazing and it's hilarious. Like it's super, 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 super funny. And um, so everything's kind of rolling with the rascals. It's a very neat thing where we, you know, we don't have it on autopilot. We're always making mistakes, but there's still things to do with this project and, and we still like it. So yeah, that, that's a very rewarding thing. That's really cool. So when you sort of write the story and you turn it over to Kurt, um, are you getting like a batch of pages to sort of dialogue or are you doing it like one at a time? Like uh, what, what is that process like? I, I, he sends me all of the pencils, mm -hmm. all of the artwork, all the, it, Kurt's just constantly sending me stuff, which is very, very cool as a comic writer, because mm -hmm. sometimes you don't see that for a long time. He's always including me. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And I wait until he does the whole book. And then I go from the start and I sit down in front of a computer with a notepad and I just write what I, I, the basic, I go one, one, like hop, hop, hop. And I just write it down and it almost takes up a whole notepad okay, full of dialogue. And then when I transpose that back into the computer, that's pretty much the finished dialogue. Yeah, that's cool. It, so it's like two, it's like, well, I guess like you have like the first draft, which is the, the story you give to Kurt. Mm -hmm. that's like second draft is after the issue is done and then third draft is sort of the final draft yep the um, final so draft yep yeah. when we when we do all the edits and and you know try try to find spelling mistakes which is really hard to do yeah um you know i wish i wish it wasn't but it is and uh yeah just keep just keep trucking away awesome and does kurt letter it himself too mm -hmm. that's amazing yeah <laughs> yeah it is yeah it really is and uh, so you sort of have that pass where it's, uh, you know, where you're writing things down in the notebook and then you're going back and um, sort of looking at it again. Uh, is that, do you treat that as an editing pass? Um, is the first pass sort of like, you know, get as many sort of thoughts down um, and sort of drive the story as much. And then when you go back, you're like, you might be like, all right, this character is sort of explaining something a little bit too much and we, we see that on the panel or, or, or what, or how do you handle that? That's yeah, that's, that's good. It's almost like um, a manic thing when I do the first, the first pass, cause I'm listening to music, 
I'm drinking tons of caffeine. Uh, you know, I'm listing, you know, rascals, appropriate pop punk, lots of descendants and things like that. And, um, and just writing and just, just going as fast as I can. Mm -hmm. And then when I go through what I'm really looking for is, uh, is it all synced up correctly? Because sometimes when you're writing like that, you, you put, you put what you want in a different panel. So I sync it all up and I read through it. Uh, and generally it's always been good. See, the thing is, it's been gestating, right? So, so remember, Kurt's been sending me those pages and I've been looking at them and I know I've been following the story. So then when I have it all together and I just start going through it, um, yeah, for some reason it just clicks. And you're able to listen to, to music with, I'm always fascinated by this, but for writers, uh, you listen to music with lyrics while you, you write dialogue, you're yeah. able to sort of separate the, and I the, theme, the voice I in theme your head. characters. Yep. Okay. I theme characters and projects like Ray Gunn had a crazy soundtrack by the end of it. It was like the 50 song playlist kind of thing. Just, you know, American 80s, 70s rock, just great soundtrack rascals is all pop punk it's cool i've been rediscovering stuff like like what is it d d dri was it dri i can't remember yeah beneath the wheel like i've just been going crazy listening to music like that <laughs> nice that's uh it's uh that's the one thing actually like unless matt you had another conversation about the music and writing thing um no, I'm just always fascinated by people who can yeah. who can write dialogue with with lyrics. I I listen to l instrumental music when I'm sort of I want to get into that mind space of of writing dialogue. Uh, mm -hmm. um, so it's just interesting to me. Uh, I guess just one last question: Have you ever thought about sort of like a uh, like a playlist with each issue, like like a Spotify playlist, like Rascals Two and, and stuff like that um, of stuff that you listen to while you while you were, were you were doing it? Actually, there's something super cool we can talk about in a bit. Okay. Where, where we're actually having conversations now about like, well, if let's say the Rascals becomes an animated series. So would we be buying licensed music? Would you have the Rascals at a concert and then running around and there's music playing in the background that you've bought? Are you going to hire people to do the voices for the characters and sing the songs and do original music and then sell that? Mm-hmm. So there's all these really cool questions, but about like actually putting a track list at the back, back of the rascals. No, no, that's what I was going to ask about because like, uh, it's a book I could give to like my six year old niece and she would love. Oh, for know? sure. Yeah. Yeah. But like, there's all these like inside rock references that my 60 year old dad would get, you book know, like is really, yeah. Ripe with, uh, with those things. Cause the rascals go to Ireland Oh. And they and they play a uh, a concert in Ireland, but the banshee is attacking this village. Uh -huh. So they have to figure out like if we want to if we want to make it big internationally, we have to stop the banshee. Uh -huh. <laughs> Do you have like U two references and stuff like that? No, I should have I should have done it, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's low hanging fruit though. That's like see, that's like exactly where my mind went. So I would be like, yeah, we're gonna make a lot of Bono references, but yeah. I think a lot of I think a lot of parents nowadays wouldn't even know those references now though. Yeah, my like I said, like my 
my dad would get it you your know? dad would get it for sure my yeah i would get it but like yeah like i don't know if a lot of other people would yeah <laughs> um but no that's i, I like that about the book and i was i was going to ask you about that was that just sort of uh i think was that like uh like just sort of like when you were doing that, was that just for fun or were you also thinking about like, Hey, here's something that like only adults will get and laugh at that kind of thing. Um, when they're reading it to their kids. A hundred percent, man, you got it. You yeah. gotta, I want everybody to, to, to have a, a good time reading it. Mm-hmm. I like that the slapstick humor is what the kids like. I think, you know, that that's why, you know, people have chili bowls fall on their head and they drop their hot dog and, you know, just they go zany. Um, because rascals we we don't want to make it a violent thing you know mm-hmm. yeah i like i like that about the book is that there's a lot of action in it but it sort of harkens back to like classic looney tunes or tom and jerry and not even that violent it's just sort of this nice like like you said just sort of like this 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 really fun innocent slapstick. well they're a band yeah. like no, no matter what happens and and there is going to be a much bigger supernatural slant coming um, and they're going to get more involved in the supernatural kind of thing. But even then they're going to, their perspective on the world and how they're going to deal with things and, and how they perceive the world is through the, the, the lens of a band trying to be famous and play gigs and be in with the cool people, you know, like that's, that's, that's their goal. So all of the supernatural elements are just uh, in, impediments to their mm-hmm. success. That's really cool. Yeah. And I like that about it. And I liked how you uh, set up these sort of like, you know, everybody has their own memorable, like not gimmick to say the thing, but like, you know, their own, you know, unique, why they're part of the band. And then also why they have like, why they, each of them is equally equipped to fight, you know, supernatural forces. Mm-hmm. And, book three, um, you, uh, sorry to interrupt, but book, book yeah. three is going to explore that a little better. And it's going to actually be two stories. Cool. The first story is called uh, Ghost Burrito, and it stars uh, Max and Tony. And then the second one is um, called The Boy, and and that's with uh, Alana and Rosie. Actually, that was where I was going to go. I was like, are you going to be expanding more on each character individually? In book three. Issue? That's cool, yeah. And you'll also it, – it, book three is really – you know, the number one was, was, this is the premise. This is the origin story. This is, you know, the, this is the vibe. This is rascals book two. Okay. Now they're coming to grips a little bit. Um, the most impressive thing we saw in book one was when Alana opened the purse and kind of had that, you know, sucked up all the gremlins and there was something going on there and it was very powerful. Well, we explore that a little bit in book two. And we also kind of think of the ramifications of that. Uh, you know, Alana didn't necessarily want to imprison, you know, a whole community of gremlins in her, in her purse kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we even look at that right away in book two um, and expand on it a little bit and show a little bit of the team dynamics. Um, book three, you get to know the characters a little bit. We have a little bit more of an Archie feel because it's like two separate stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they deal with their, their teenage problems together. Although in the first one, it is with Tony and Max, but it's mostly Tony. So this is where we're going to see Tony experiencing his, his ability for the first time. And the second book uh, really kind of more goes into Rosie, uh, even though, you know, Alana is, is the character. A lot of people really, really like Alana. But um, that one's about Rosie because Rosie's easy to pass up. You know, she's the roadie. She's not tall. Um, 
she's a, a nerd. So yeah, it's, it's a very, very cool thing looking into those things through pop punk rabbit <laughs> eyes. So you write out like a, a story for, for an issue. Do you sort of keep like a, uh, like a Bible for, for the universe as you're thinking like, cause like, you, you know, we're talking about this issue, but you're able to say, you know, in three, I want to explore this Four, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about this, like, and Kurt, sort of- Kurt and I talk about it. So I, okay. I, I have it and I, I go to, Hey Kurt, like, this is what I think. And so the whole thing about the rascals is because we're, we're looking at doing and we're sticking true to what that format entails. Um, we can't go really story heavy. So you can't expect somebody in that massive age range to know what came before. Mm-hmm. So the whole deal with, with rascals and is really interesting to me as a writer, probably the most interesting thing about rascals actually to me is that this is the first time I get to create a meta story. Mm. So I get to try to instantly catch people up and uh, have every story be a first story, but also to, to the, reward the people who are, are, are purchasing those earlier issues and kind of following that story and understanding the experience that shaped their reactions. But we can kind of hide the fact that we're doing that in the humor. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, if, if somebody says like, Oh, that was that thing that we did before. Well, it sucks if you don't know what that is. Right. But if you do, it's a, it's like, Oh wow. Max said that. But if Max slips on a banana peel, you know, and throws his ice cream Sunday on his head and he's like, Oh, you mean like the thing from before everybody that it rewards the people from before. And it's just a gag, isn't it? It's, it's just a funny thing to, to kind of go, Oh, they did this before, but look, Max fell. So you start using these kind of neat little tricks like that and trying to give people more story. So we know what's happening in the first six issues, but you don't have to get any one of those six issues to know. Mm-hmm. Although to be honest, closer to the end, five and six will be in, in the same location, but one to four, are all different locations, different stories, things going on, but there is a connection. That's really cool. And I was going to ask, um, sort of from the perspective of people picking this up, do you have like stores in your area that, you know, are, are carrying your book? Um, <gasps> Great. Thanks for asking, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Another dimension nice. in Calgary, Alberta, Canada will be the first store in Canada to start selling the rascals. I just went in there one day. I was bored. I have nobody in this city. It was, I knew this comic shop. It's a really, really cool comic shop. Of course, that's like I was starving for comics, right? As soon, yeah. as, soon as I got to Canada, I was like, oh, <laughs> I could find these things. So um, I, I just went to them with the books and I said, hey, look at this. And it was really, really cool because they were like, oh, okay, yeah, let's see. And as soon as I, had, I opened it and I opened it up and as soon as I opened it up behind the counter, they just went nuts. Nice. They were that's like, a- oh yeah, no, that's awesome. How many can we put? We'll do it on consignment. Like, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll make a little stand by the cash register. Cause they're looking, they're smart. Like I told, I told this, uh, this lady who was looking at the book, I said, listen, if a kid eight to 12 years old comes in here with, with their parent or something and they look clued out, just hand them this book. Like they'll go home with it. They're going to get this book. And she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know? So it's, <laughs> Nice. I think I think it'll do well in comic stores. But yeah, we we have our first one in another dimension comics. I'm really proud of that. 
Is there sort of a goal? I mean, like you guys are doing great with Indiegogo, so there's no like, you know, I'm sure there's no pressure to try to get it like into previews or anything, but is that something you guys have been considering is trying to get it into like no previews or something? No. Nah, it, this is a different thing. This, this whole, this whole past year has just been a huge learning thing probably for you guys too. Right. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just, there's this whole other market and you know, we, we can try to sell comics a different way mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's, there was another you know, movements were made over the last three or five years that have split an already fractured audience. So my, another project I work on, I might work with another artist or do something with somebody else. And we do seven pages and send it to image and get rejected, you know, <laughs> like do whatever. It, it doesn't matter. This is a fluid form. I want I, I want to, I love making comics. And I just want to do it in any way possible. So we're not going to do that with this. This, we want to make an animated series. This, this, nice. this, the rascals, we want to have a really good comic book that feeds the animated series. We don't want to have a series that feeds the comic. So that, that's the goal with rascals. And we want people who know the rascals to be like really happy if it does become an animated series or really happy if there are plushies made or something, you know, like I, we just wanted to build a community are there going to be plushies made? Because I know my, I, I know I would be happy and I know other people would be happy too. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's going to be plushies made. I don't know okay. if there's going to be plushies made, but, but we are constantly uh, thinking about things that we're going to sell um, at, at conventions. Like yeah. Kurt, Kurt and I are, are constantly like, if you look at our, our campaign right now, there's only 20 backers. We've totally hit our goal. Because we know, yeah, all we need to do is let's feed the people who really, really want this book. And the thing is, too, we already kind of sold this book, but as a limited edition, that was like the making of the book. So Mm -hmm. I think those people are already sitting on number two going, well, why would I buy two again? So we kind of like, "Mm, it's good to have. Long story short, we're going to have way more comics than 20 for the money that we get for that funding you know, for covering in the shipping and stuff. So we're going to have lots of issue one. We're going to have what we have remaining for the limited edition for two. We're going to have book two. Hopefully we have book three out by the time Corona lets conventions start again. Yeah. And then, and then we have product for a table. We have a, we have a property to sit behind and talk to other creators and just have our community back and sell the book and actually be able to look the people who would love my book in the eye and be like, here you go, you know, enjoy it. That there, that is the, one of the best things in the world about this. And it sucks that we can't do it right now. Yeah, it really does. And I, <laughs> I, I was going to ask, and I, I think it's, and I think you may have some input on this just because you are from, um, you know, you're not from the Alberta area, right. But you, you are from Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what, what's it been like, what's it like going from like, you, we've talked about this before, but like where you were in Japan, the comics community is just permeates society, you know, like it's, it's huge mm-hmm. out there. Um, and in a lot of different ways, obviously, than it is, would be like in, in places here in the U S where it sort of permeates society. Mm-hmm. But, but what's that like in Canada versus Japan for you? Is, is it sort of a, like, it's was a it void. Sort of, it's a void. It's a huge yeah. void, you know, and it's, and it's so weird because, 
like I, I noticed the other day, it's, you know, snowy and whatever. And I'm walking through this parking lot and there's this family getting into a car. And then I guess it was like, you know, a little girl, but she was wearing a jacket, but it was a Zelda jacket. Oh. And it had like the Triforce thing on the back. And yeah. I looked at it and it's like cold, you know, and she's got her toque down and everybody's miserable. And I thought that's so awesome. She's rocking that, you yeah. know, in this, in this miserable weather. <laughs> but it's not all around you, you know, right. it's, it's very much niche in North America. It's not enjoyed yeah. by everybody. It's a weird thing for me to actually come back and be like, everybody, why doesn't everybody enjoy this, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's just, that's the bonus actually of living in another culture and kind of learning how to think a different way. It got, it has to build confidence in the art form, you know, because we're not, we're not in Canada, Matt and I, but we're in North America and we can definitely relate to that. It being a niche thing. Like, you know, it's, uh, I've been trying to explain WandaVision to my parents and it's like, you know, speaking a different language to them, you know, that it's, it's like, it's a, uh, it is a void. So, but like, I, I wonder, did that like being in a society that sort of is like accepts it as like this serious art form that, you know, is consumed by mainstream culture, did that sort of like build your confidence in like creating it? Um, yeah. Creator? Yeah. But I had already done my research before even going to Japan, before I even left Winnipeg, when I started really getting into, you know, okay, I want to be a comic creator. Okay. I want to be a comic writer. Like I, you know, I want to be a script writer. I got really into it and I was lucky because, you know, I think I had told you guys before, I knew, I knew a very f fantastic famous artist named Igor Corday, who was living in my town at the time. And he turned me on to all this European stuff, all, you know, like from all over the world, he was giving me these influences. So I, it opened and he, you know, it opened my eyes like, wow, there's, there's a bigger, bigger market out there. And then all of a sudden you start, you know, having these like um, mental connections where you start realizing you were always reading Tintin. You always had an asterisk around you for some reason, right? Like you always, right. the, all those things were around you because they came from Europe. You know, they were, they were famous stories. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of time, probably in the future when that starts happening from Japan and other parts of the world. But, you know, and then you, you start linking like, wow, they've been around, they've really influenced everything. So then, you know, where do I go from here? So going to, to Japan, I just got to experience it firsthand, but I, or I had known it was out there for a long time. I, I knew it was, it was a very appreciated art form. That's really cool. Yeah. And um, now you're sort of like uh, following the business model of like uh, uh, filling in the void, right? You know, just sort of being like, there's this area of the market that I would like to see more of. So I'm going to try to fill it in with something that I love. And uh, mm. that's inspiring. It, yeah. It would be nice to actually, you know, to, to, to just say like, yeah, that's right. Uh -huh. we, we, we just want to provide uh, for, for the families, not it at all. Kurt and I just wanted to work together really bad. Nice. And rascals lets us, we work together. It's a, it's a no brainer how we're talking about this project. So, you know, Kurt's still doing whatever I work two jobs here. We're still doing rascals very easily because it's just the, the, the style that we've chosen to do it. You know, in the meantime, I am, you know, going, you know, going back and writing other scripts and, and developing other projects and and it's very cool because it's it's full script 
Mm-hmm. So it's like, I can just turn my mind around. And you know, what I'm writing now is very science yeah. fiction, very, very crazy stuff. It's hyper violent. Nice. Yeah. That's, so that's, it, that's a very far cry from rascals. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of like mental floss. Okay. That's cool. I'm excited to hear more about that as it develops. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that I'm talking, well, I'm probably going to be doing it with an artist that I met through Igor Corday 20 years ago, 21 wow. years ago. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And that was the first guy I ever, no, no, it's the second guy I ever did a comic pitch with. And we reconnected just before I moved back to Canada in December, just the weirdest way, like internet, you know, just crossing in the night kind of thing. I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And it turns out he's been working professionally for Disney and blah, 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 all these companies and, you know, just crazy artist. And he was like, I've been following you. And, you know, like, Oh yeah, we should do, we should definitely do something. Let's do another pitch. Like let's, let's try to do it. So that's probably somebody that I'll, 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 I'll be doing something with this year. This is very oh, man, cool I'm looking forward to that. What, what's the artist's name? His name's Alexander Sojdorovsky. Alexander Sojdorovsky. I'll, I'll try to find him on social media. I'll be, in, I'll be, I'll be following both of you guys for updates yeah. on that project. He, he's yeah. He's a very nice guy. So I know from your previous project that we met you on Raygun um, that was something that was was full script um, and you researched and you sort of you studied the dates and you put people yeah. like on the dates and the and the locations that they would have been but then you sort of you know you used elements of storytelling to make it exciting and stuff like yeah. that so are you sort of doing that level of uh, I know it's a science fiction story so but are you like doing like that amount of research for this project or are you having a little bit more fun and playing like a little looser with the with the rules hmm so this 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 one is is it takes place in the future but in this in this world in this earth uh something has happened you know earlier in like the 1930s okay so so the reality as we know it from the 1930s until you know the future from our point on is is vastly different and that's how this world the point point of focus starts from basically everything was the same until 1930s and then and then it changed so had to do a lot of research there's a lot of dates that i'm using that are kind of uh fun for me (laughs) just because um they had their key moments in comic book history Mm -hmm. so i just use those dates from 1930 on uh to to mark when certain things happen in my story they're not necessarily the same kind of thing like an origin happens but just using those dates is some dropping some stuff in that i think is fun nice and uh so do you uh, you talked a little bit about this but do you feel that that sort of stretches two different sort of muscles sort of the 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 kind of marvel method you have with 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 kurt on the rascals and in this this project where you're sitting down and you're maybe being a little bit more um structured and detailed uh, are you doing like you know page one panel one at, yes with, with this project yeah it, the first issue is completely done and and it's i love it oh i love it i really 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 love it this is basically 
things that I've been trying to put together for like a decade. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, everybody has it, right? You start, you have this idea, you have this, I, we talked about concept before, right? So you start going down those concept rabbit holes and, and you start trying to figure, you know, oh yeah, this is great. This is great. And you get to a certain point and you go, but where's the story here? There's no, this is really, really cool. But you like, it's, you might as well just write, isn't this cool? Look at the artwork right now. Isn't this, <laughs> is, you know, <laughs> like where's the story? So as a writer, if I'm going to be making it, I have to love it. I have mm-hmm. to want to tell it. I, this is something that I want to share with people. Right. So that was always a thing where I had these multiple concepts where they were just coming in and there was something missing. There's coming in something missing. And just, you know, shortly, shortly before, maybe a couple months before I moved back to Canada, it just clicked where it was like, and then all of those, those different concepts just went and just connected. And it was like, oh, they were, everything was trying to build together. I just didn't realize it. I was, I was maybe compartmentalizing and building up each section that I needed and then gave myself the linchpin to bring it all together. But it's awesome. It's really, really cool, I think. So when that moment of inspiration came to you and you were able to sort of bring everything together, were you actually, uh, you know, at the keyboard typing or were you, were you doing something totally different? Like, you know, walking, mowing, the, mowing the grass or, you I know, can't, I, it was back home in Japan and I, and I ran and got paper and I ran like, this is the thing, bop, bop, bop. This is actually how you use this. And I wrote it down and just went, okay, I got it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I wasn't going to lose it. I, that, that, I knew I was like, Oh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That works. And so, so cool. yeah. Yeah, it seems like a lot of times uh, uh, there's these moments where you, you, and a lot of people talk about it, where you're sort of, you might not be actively thinking about it, but sort of in the back of your mind, you're sort of, that that story idea is still sort of there, like churning, and, and then you just sort of like, you're not actively thinking about it, but then sort of like that, that it just sort of flashes to, to the front of your mind per se. And you're like, okay, that's, that's the thing. So that's I think interesting. that's how I write. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's I don't know how many process. times I've been jogging and I've had to, to stop and, and pull out my phone to say, all right, this is, you know, this is the thing that is the thing. Don't forget it. And then put the phone back in my pocket and, and continue the run. <laughs> Earlier in his career, Brian Bendis is in multiple interviews where he, he mentions how he just puts his daughter on the back of his bike and rides like first thing, as soon as he can, he put, he put his daughter on the back of his bike, got on his bike and just rode until he wasn't thinking of anything anymore. And then by the time he got home, he put his daughter down for a nap and he just, just pooped out everything that came from that subconscious. And it was all physical. He said, because of the physicality of it and because of the routine and the rhythm, he just, you just zone out. Mm-hmm. Nice. So let's turn our attention back to, to the Rascals, the, the project that sort of that you're going through right now. Um, has your process uh, changed since you moved back from Canada? Because previously you guys were operating in different time zones. So it might have been one of those things where you sent an email and you woke up to, to stuff in, in the <laughs> yeah. morning. But now that you guys are sort of at the, you know, the same sort of time, has, has that changed anything at all? I think we talked two or three times a week like FaceTime and just complain and laugh. And <laughs> yeah, we've been talking a lot because today, Ashley Kurt went to this production company 
that's interested in rascals and did the first pitch. So I guess there was the producer and then two directors, but yeah, it's getting very real in certain ways where Kurt and I are having to have like weird conversations, like what percentage of this, like, do you think we would do? And it's the, the what we keep coming back to is like, of course we, they're going to want a piece of everything, but if we can keep comics, Mm-hmm. Like if we, if we can just keep the comics, then when it dies, you know, it just fizzles out or, you know, the two seasons or one season, you know, cause that's how media is consumed these days. Uh, we can still make rascals comics and, and we can still have the IP and, and maybe do something else with it in the future or make more rascal stories or continue to make rascal stories. So it's, it's very nice to have something fun like this in your, in your repertoire. Were you helping with the pitch at all before before Kurt went in and pitched it, or is yeah, it mainly I, Kurt I, handling that? No, Kurt handled the first one because Kurt's a director in the animation industry. Okay, um, and he explained how our working process, almost exactly what we've been talking about. He brought the first, second issue. He brought this the one sheet character descriptions and the artwork for the first half of book three, so that it's like here you go you know, <laughs> this, this, nice. this, this is it. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, you know, it's failure is ever present in, in mm-hmm. comic books and entertainment, but it's, it's just a fun thing where now this is something that I'm trying, you know, we talked, what was it? Two or three years ago about Ray gun. And it was a totally different situation, like really totally different situation. There was no plague and I was in Japan and I think it's been two years. It's yeah, that's been, crazy yeah. to think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, you know, it's just cool. You guys are doing fun stuff. I mean, like, it's just, it's neat how we're all developing. And that's always been from day one. What I've been saying is like, I just want more people to make more comics so that we can talk about creating them more. Because when I tried to start, I would have loved this when I started writing comics. Mm. You know, constructing comics podcasts, like there was no such thing you had to try to find a book mm-hmm. about comic script writing, right? You had to, you had to try to find somebody who, you know, and the internet wasn't that developed, although there was cool things like silver bullet comic books and Miller world was great. Bendis's page was awesome. Right. I mean, there was those really fun places, but it wasn't the same. Like, it's not like I could listen to 20 of these and be like, pretty sure I know how to format a comic now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how much it's grown in like even the last five years when I was trying to listen to comics podcasts and it was harder to find them then. Like it, like it started off as like podcasts were so inaccessible and now they're like everywhere. And mm-hmm. it, it, there's a, there's a sub, there's a, there's a podcast for everyone at this point. And that's been like only in the last five years or so. Um, so it's, it's uh, and then it's sort of great then that like, you know, and it, this podcast came from just sort of the idea of like wanting to have people like you on who can give us like Matt and I tips on how to create better comics, you know? So it's like, we're, we're incredibly grateful for your time and just for the knowledge that you give. And that leads me into my next question, which like I asked the last time, I, I was on with you, um, but like, what, what, what's the one lesson that you've sort of taken away from your last venture into like Indiegogo and creating a comic that you would like to pass on um, to anyone listening? Hmm. 
I don't know. I mean, there's the, there's the, the never give up, the blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it's, that's true. Um, just make, make your comics and kind of believe in them and try to understand all of the channels that you can maybe show your comics other than trying to pitch them to a publisher and having their input because it, I think it's better now I think it's cool on Indiegogo when I go in there and I look at our project, which is, I think, very professional looking and great. And it's beside like some, you know, like somebody, you could have been a little kid who just did a comic and then their parents put the Indiegogo up and it's made like $5,000, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, I like that because it's, it's not crushing that kid. Yeah. You know, that kid's like, Oh, okay, you know, I can, I can do this. I just need to get better at it. Mm-hmm. People, people yeah. appreciate this. So don't give up, check out everything, try to learn everything, reach out to people. Don't, don't get weird about comics. Like it's, there's never a reason to be weird about comic books. It's just never, never. Yeah. Let's just put that out there. There's yeah. just never a reason. Um, unless somebody like steals one of your comic books or, you know, ruins it or something. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Just, just keep, keep going, get your stuff out there. Yeah. Awesome. Good lessons. Yeah. I, I, I really like that. I mean, my personal experience was I, I tried and I, I still do. I, I, the, the first thing that I made was, was a pitch and I sent it in and it was, it was, you know, I have, a, I have a stack of them, but it was the first one to sort of, not to be sort of, but it, it was, it was rejected. So I was just like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make this on my own, you know, went, researched, you know, found people online that were making stuff and, and ran a Kickstarter and, and now it's a book. So yeah, I, I can sort of go along with what you're saying is, is that like, we have the ability with, with the internet and these these crowdfunding platforms to also to 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 get books out uh, to people. And mm-hmm. I think one thing that's really interesting. I think it was like November of uh, 2020. If you would have put all the books that were like crowdfunding for that month that were uh, funded, that would have been like the second biggest publisher. Um, it would have actually you know outdone like DC yep. for that month. So it would have been Marvel crowdfunding. DC comics, which is really crazy. Um, and you also, you, you see, what do you think about some of the, like the, the, uh, the, the professionals now coming to uh, crowdfunding to do their books? You know, you have, you know, Scott Snyder, uh, Jeff Lemire, some of those guys coming. Uh, do you, do you see maybe that's going to be a bit more of the, the, the future of, of. Yeah, for sure. Because they, they see the money they're not dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're also like overcomplicated and I think they're, they're kind of s- s- soured in a little way where, you know, they're trying to, they're, they're not running their campaigns themselves. They seem very distant from what they're doing. Like, like, you know, we put out the work I paid for the artist. I hired somebody to run this campaign. So because of, I'm, I am who I am, you should trust this work and, and buy it. Right. Which is great because it makes all of our projects more visible. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I don't know. They've had mixed success, right? Like you have these people come from, from, from this publishing background and, and some of them haven't done that well. So 
Um, I, I hope they come and put more spotlights on that venue mm-hmm. where people know where to buy our books. Uh, if Scott Snyder's there, then people are going to be turning their heads towards us in some way. So it's all good. Yeah. yeah. And levels of success. Um, you're talking about concept over story. We just reviewed Berserker number one by Keanu Reeves funded by Kickstarter. How was that? It was terrible. It was just a nightmare <laughs> on, on in, in 22 pages. I'm like, I've just like, I started out reading that book and I was just like, I was like, I like this. And then the more we talked about it, the last episode, I was like, I hate this. Like, it, <laughs> it had a lot of concepts. It had a lot of non-original concepts and it really didn't, uh, it did we, Noah and I basically we got to the end and we were just like, we don't care about this guy. He's, he's Wolverine. He's John Wick. He's Vandal Savage. It's, it's all these things that we've, we've seen before. And we just, we don't even know why we don't even know why we should like this guy. So it was, yeah. it was that it was, oh, you know, it was, it was a lot of concept and not, not a lot of character development. Yeah. But we can say that there is a lot of both in rascals because like, again, you cared and that's, that really shows. So yeah. Back rascals and don't back berserker. And it's a little late now, but that's what I wish I could say. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. Awesome. So um, let's, uh, let's, let's close out the, the interview. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Rascals in general and, and what uh, folks would be able to, to expect from, from issue two? Sure. So uh, Rascals in general is, is a, it's a story of teen pop punk rabbits who are cursed to encounter the supernatural until they play a song better than the one they uh, played to defeat a demon goat in issue one. In issue two, uh, the Rascals are invited to play at a uh, music festival in Baylor, Ireland. And they're very excited to go international. But when they get there, everything is closed and nobody's making a sound. And when they investigate why, it turns out the mysterious Banshee is attacking this town. And unless the rascals solve the mystery of the Banshee, they will not be able to go international. Very it's available cool. right now on Indiegogo. I think there's about 10 days left, maybe a little more. Um, come on and join the fun. You get the book, which is an amazing book. Uh, you get five stickers, including one sticker that's like a bumper sticker size sticker, which is super, super rad. Kurt and I are like, wouldn't it be cool if you were driving somewhere <laughs> and you see like that bumper sticker so- anywhere? It could be on like a garbage can or the back of a car. Just be super cool. Or a suitcase, probably a really good one. Um, and yeah, come, come join the party. Come join the Rascals party. Nice. And so what about social media? I know that you have your own personal accounts, but the, the Rascals have some, some of their own as well, right? Rascals, yeah. Uh, the Rascals, is uh, they have their own Twitter account, so you can find it at uh, The Rascals. And uh, you can always hit me up, uh, comic script writer uh, Gregory Shane. Cool. And um, I know in the past when we've talked to you, you do some uh, YouTube uh, breakdowns of, of comics. Is, have you have you done any of that? I haven't. Like- I haven't. I was going to do. Uh, yeah, I had this really, really great. I probably still do it. But because of the moving stuff, mm-hmm. um, I haven't done anything. But now that I, you know, I'm, I'm all alone pretty much on the 
corner of a windswept mountain. Um, yeah, maybe I should should bang some of those off. I definitely have a lot to say. And is uh, it still uh, is it still Kazar? Is there is Kazar still your your favorite? Do I remember K- that right? Kazar's the bomb, but lately <laughs> lately I've been getting into like this crazy run of Avengers. Do you remember the run of Avengers with um where it was like uh, Hercules and Star Fox, Black Knight, Captain America, uh, and the Masters of Evil attack the mansion? I yeah, I have that one in sort of a uh, Marvel Masterworks. Oh. I, I, yeah. What a genius run. So I've, I've, been, I've been picking those up. I don't have the one where they attack the mansion. That's a little later in what I'm collecting. But seeing how they're building up Hercules as being like a brash lush, mm-hmm. it's issue after issue of Hercules going like, I'm not, what are you talking about? I'm Hercules and just running through a wall or like, like destroying a bill or being drunk. Like a couple times he's already kind of, kind of hitting the liquor. And that was all set up. Because if you remember when the Masters of Evil uh, infiltrate Avengers Mansion, Hercules comes home drunk. And because he's so drunk and he's just like, the Lion of Zeus, <laughs> he doesn't notice like that he's about to be ambushed and they get the drop on him. So it was like this character development where they, they developed the, the, the relationship between the Black Knight and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. The Wasp was a little bit of a character, hey? In that run, she was seeing Hank Pym, Paladin, and the Black Knight all the same. And she was dating them like consecutively. When was not the- that she was sleeping with all these people? Like, you know, it's not like that's my know. first thought. But yeah, she's, yeah, she's a rich socialite. Good. She's not paying for dinner, dude. Yeah. You know, like she's <laughs> she's, she's doing okay. When was this run? This sounds crazy. 80s. 80s? Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it was yeah, she would want to be sleeping with all of them. That's like middle of the AIDS pandemic. So yeah, good for her staying safe. So, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, but you know, I that sounds nuts. Um, <laughs> Wait, do you remember the West Coast Avengers? We've been talking early, about them a lot with, with Tigra. Yeah. Yeah. Remember when when, when her you remember Matt Matt right now is like yes yes I remember this. <laughs> I think I know what you guys are talking. Remember about. she went into heat. Oh my gosh, really? Okay. Yeah, there was a storyline where Tiger <laughs> Tiger went into heat. And so she started sleeping with all the West Coast Avengers. She slept with everybody. She slept with, I think she slept with Wonder Man. She slept with Hank Pym and she slept with Iron Man. And she was like, they have, <laughs> and the West Coast Avengers, if you remember, they had cabanas. Because in the 80s, cabanas were the shit, right? Like yes. you had like the main, the main house, but then you had your own little cabana. Tiger was going from cabana to cabana. That was like a thing. Do you remember what that? I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this was like something like little 12 year old Greggy was reading like, oh, my God. <laughs> and yeah, you have I remember the, thinking, uh, reading those scene. books that like, I was getting away with something that my, that my parents didn't know. Yep, I, was like, I was like, they were like, they, they think I'm just reading this standard, uh, you know, the standard uh, superhero yep. affair. They don't know what's. Uh, this all this you know side story that that i'm getting here so all the spice man oh man yeah yeah and then and then it was a neat thing too right because then all of a sudden they realized that tiger was in heat (laughs) and couldn't (laughs) control herself and so they were all like oh maybe are we good guys (laughs) (laughs) well i can't wait for the uh the movie or the disney plus show where they do that storyline yeah that'll never happen yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man. We'll have to have you on sometime, Greg, to talk, you know, to obviously talk your comics, but have you come and talk uh, like Marvel comics and things like oh, that? Oh, I would love that, man. Yeah. I yeah. listened to your WandaVision. Oh, I was listening to your WandaVision episodes and you guys bang them out really. It was like just the perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. I, I wrote on Twitter. I, I had to write on Twitter. Holy crap. Like the last episode of WandaVision, I was like bawling my eyes out. And then it was like this epiphany where I was like, they're so smart. They are so, so smart. Yeah. They know the winds that it's already turned. They, they've already done their like, you know, applied behavioral, like whatever natural language processing machine learning this sucker. Like they're mm -hmm. already like theaters are dying in this year. We need to have this many, whatever we need to branch out. You know, we need to make Disney plus the Kickstarter for the movies. You won't know what's really happening unless you watch those shows wandavision i think was top quality yeah. like absolute at the at, when that ended i was like if they don't win every bloody emmy for that yeah. show then this is all all rigged you know which it is but <laughs> yeah it is but i agree with you completely and that's that's a very good point um yeah wandavision was so good and it it definitely hit me in the right spot on a comic book lover level and then on like a just a superhero media level in general and I don't remember. Do you remember reading the the uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries? I had that miniseries. That was uh, not a good miniseries. Uh, I, I know which one you're talking about, Matt. Did you read it? I never did. No, I've never read I, it. Oh, it's not good. It's really weird every time. It was. It's like like the Toad guy, like not the Toad Toad, but like the one that fought Spider Man that had a big Toad suit came at one point. Oh wow! And like Magneto comes back, and then he's got like the the cow headed woman from Wondergore, and he's like, "I'm your father. I'm really not your father." <laughs> and then like some the wizard comes. Oh, wizard! Remember that? the wizard comes, and he's Great like, I'm "The wizard on me. I'm actually your father. That's why Quicksilver can move fast." Yeah. Weird thing. <laughs> I saw a lot of like when people were speculating about this show, they were like copying a lot of panels from that mini series over. Yeah. Um, because that one has the white vision in that, right? Isn't that that from that mini series, or am I thinking no? The one? the whole thing about that mini series is that's where the kids come. Okay, that was all it was then. I just saw a lot of panels of that. So I think but yeah. then I was seeing a lot of when like white vision showed up in the show. Uh they were they were I think that was that was a West Coast Avengers yeah. thing. So that it, was, it uh, was. And what's really interesting is the the aesthetic uh, of the white vision in comics never worked for me. Mm. I, I always thought it was they just didn't have the technique for coloring. It never looked good. It always looked flat. Mm -hmm. and it, it always looked like they were just being lazy. Uh, like, <laughs> like, and, and I just to care. I just didn't like it. But seeing it in the show, I was like, that looks awesome. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. Perfect. I liked it in the comics just because growing up, I thought it was sort of like um, spectral, I yep, guess. Ghostly. Ghostly. So I liked that aspect of it as a kid. Like that was sort of something that was always attractive to me was the, the that was with the white vision. But now that you say that, I'm sure if I returned to it as an adult, I'd be like, were they just trying to get around using like three less colors in the books or something like that? At that like, time, yeah. maybe, man. Yeah, that wasn't a good time for comics. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was there was hidden gems at that time for comics, but that was not one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that was like at the I was again trying to explain it to some friends the other night about the end of the Silver Age. Yeah, I mean, Bronze Master Age. Pandemonium. Do yeah, you remember that? Oh, just it was just weird. And it's sort of like I was because I was trying to explain um, 
the death of Gwen Stacy and sort of what that represented symbolically in comics history, you know? And it was like a dip in quality for most superhero books. And then like a shift towards more like adult content in comics in general as well. Like, it's like, it's sort of a weird, and then it's like, like in that meantime where they were trying to still hold on to sort of like the whimsical nature while still trying to maybe yeah. merge into something more serious. Like it was just this tonal disconnect because like, you know, you have West Coast Avengers, which as a concept is really goofy, but then you have like the uh, Harry Osborne dealing with like drug addiction, that kind of thing, like, you know, going on at the same time. Like it's, it's weird you know harry osborne yeah like it's it's just sort of uh and then you know on dc it's a whole other mess you know like yeah like you've got like so much stuff going on over there and then yeah it's uh it's a weird time of comics it would be uh it's not but it's never explored well enough so maybe now it will with like white vision showing up and yeah yeah i agree there's something there i like how they just whip the white vision off you know, he goes, I have possibilities. There's options yeah. for me. And he's gone. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's awesome. He could yeah. be anywhere now. And yeah, the, the whole thing with the Scarlet Witch, it was, it made me really like that character. Yeah. That Same series. And it, yeah. and it really made you realize like, yeah, that's, she's had a shitty run. Yeah. You know, there's not, not been a lot good for the Scarlet Witch. So pretty, pretty interesting. I guess it never resonated with me in the comics that, what she did always did but why she did it never did do you know what i mean like we always knew she fractured reality or whatever and mm -hmm. no more mutants and but yeah there was really terrible things that had happened to her and she didn't have an identity and uh yeah it just never really hit me hit me at the time might be something to go back and read yeah i need to i've got i've not read house of m and I've been meaning to go like it's sort of on comiXology right now so like I need to just read it and um another one I've been meaning to read and I've had it on my shelf forever is like Tom King's vision series which also apparently yeah does a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. similar subjects um both those books I'm probably gonna pick up in the next week or so and try to read through those um but it no, might be my age but I just really liked the vision in that series and I liked it when he became more the vision so when he was more independent, just how he looked at problems and just how even when he was fighting that thing, he realized we could probably talk this out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's actually there's actually I just need to know why you're hitting me. And we can figure this out. So I, I yeah, really, I really like that. Yeah, yeah, I love that, too. It was. Um, oh, man, it, there was a lot of cool stuff to admire about that, the, the show. But I, I loved that ending that we got like that we got like enough of a superhero punchy punchy laser zappy fix you know at the end with like you know the battle between agatha and wanda and, and yeah two visions and stuff like that but then having that like throwing that moment in there where vision knows exactly what to say to make the other vision stop and talk it out yeah and somehow it's just as exciting as them throwing <laughs> each other through buildings and you know all that i stuff. agree yeah. I agree. Yeah. That, that was the brilliance of the show. And I think that like, I think eventually people are kind of, I, I and, and we'll, we'll probably be talking about this on the show when, when we do our recap for the last two episodes, Matt, but like a lot of people hated the show. Um, especially because of the last episode, because everybody was expecting 
uh, a moment akin to like the last episode of like the Mandalorian or something, you mm-hmm. know, where it was like, we do this crazy reveal, you know, Dr. Strange or Spider-Man or someone shows up and everybody was just expecting that and it didn't happen. And everybody just got angry. And like, now are like, it's the worst show ever, that kind of thing, worst Marvel thing ever. But like, I think enough people out there are like us who are like, no, it's really good. And then when the dust settles, people are going to be like, this might be the best thing that's come out of like a Marvel adaptation. This is the first look we've had. Yeah. So this is the first look, ground level look we've had at the repercussions of what happened in Endgame. Yeah. That whole 10 year period, the creation of Sword, what's happening. You know, there's resentment to people who are coming back. Yeah. This is a very interesting concept. Yeah, it's, it's just a really, really cool thing that we just mm-hmm. got to see. Um, and I like how they focused it right in that little town. We couldn't look at the world. We could yeah, only look love that. what happened to the world affecting this oddity. Yeah. And so everything was odd. Like you always felt unsettled. And I haven't felt that way in a long time watching anything where I was constantly unsettled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, me too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was so good, man. It was like, uh, yeah, I could talk about it forever. And we're going to be talking about it. We're going <laughs> to be right. talking about it a lot in the next couple of days. But like, oh, it's, this, uh, is, this is cool. Yeah. We got a little bonus uh, WandaVision talk here at, at the end, which is cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the tangent. No, no, we, we, love, we, we, we love tangents. So awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, Greg, thanks so much for, for coming back on. And we, we joke with you a little bit before we got started, but you are now the, uh, you are now at the top of the heap. The with, reigning, uh, reigning champ. Four, four, four appearances on, on the podcast. So <laughs> awesome. And Matt and I are just happy that there's someone who wants to come back four <laughs> times. It's great. Are you kidding? I love this podcast. I love talking <laughs> to you guys. This is this is always a, a very nice way to talk about comics. Awesome. Yeah, and like Noah and I, we talk about this. It's it's almost as just as much for probably not just as much. It's just it's for us. It's as valuable as it is for we hope for for the uh, the interviewee because like we take little pieces of this and they sort of go into our creative tool belt <laughs> to, to to make other things. So it's 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 just really nice to talk the creative process with people. So cool awesome all right so for anybody listening if you could give us a rating or, or review on the podcasting service you use really appreciate it if you want to follow the podcast we're on social media twitter is at construct Compod, instagram is constructed comics pod and facebook is constructed comics I'd like to thank everybody for listening uh please be safe be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics